I, I realized that part of my problem was that. Oh, look, is that Tim? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm here. Where are you? Where are you? I'm here. Where have you been? Uh, I was watching Parks and Rec. It's nine oh seven. Yeah, I was having trouble. Yeah, like like nine oh seven. Okay. We have DVRs, Jim. Yeah, well, that's what a DVR is for. Hang on, I have to take a call from my wife now. Hello. Hi, dear. How are you? Hi, Gene. That's what DVRs are for, Tim. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Who's everybody? It's Jim and Kirk. Hi, Gene. How was the right to being a podcast? That's the very same. Pardon? It's the very Gene same. Will do, Gene will do literally, Gene will do literally anything to get on this podcast. Have you noticed that, Jim? I have. Yeah. I've, I've totally noticed that. Look, this is the woman who interrupted William Shatner once in an interview. Remember? Tell Gene her shtick is getting old. I'm going to go watch uh, the end of 30 Rock. <laughs> no, 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 no. Also, I was having trouble for some reason getting connecting to you guys. Ah. And, and, but do I sound better now than I, than I ever have before? You do, actually. Maybe your internet is too fast. No, I got a boom mic or a, a, a mic stand, so I'm, I'm, I can actually, because before, well, the way my you setup was, I was too far away. Yeah, it sounds better. Sibilance. Same microphone. Same microphone, just but a but a mic stand that's that's like puts it right there in my face. I just put it on the box. Got a tripod, but I have to lean into it. So you might hear my chair making noises. We don't want to hear about your tripod. What does that even mean? Tripod that I've got my microphone mounted on. Got it. What do you think that means? Do you think that was some kind of euphemism? I don't even know what what would that be a euphemism for. Uh. Never mind. Um, you guys know what we're talking about? Parks and Rec. We're talking about Google and privacy, or lack of. And we're talking about Newt's Moon Colony. <laughs> I don't know anything. I don't know anything about either of these issues, but I've got plenty to say about both of them. <laughs> well, 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 that's <laughs> never stopped us. <laughs> I was going to say it must be time for Media Lover Bebop. <laughs> It's 9-11 on Thursday, January 26, 2012, which means it's time yet again for the Media Leper Bebop. Tonight, Google knows everything about you, and there's not a goddamn thing you can do about it. Then, Newt Gingrich finally has an idea we can all get on board with, a moon colony. And finally, Tim Gaskell is an idiot, and we'll tell you why. All that and what's in Tim's mix on Media Leper Bebop episode 29, Into Outer Space with Newt Gingrich. Greetings, space people. I'm your host, Jim Rocketman Connolly, and with me, of course, are Tim, the Doctor Gaskell. That's uh, <clears throat> excuse me. <coughs> Got some moon dust in my uh, <coughs> in my throat. And Kirk, Battlestar Biglioni. I was going to talk about uh, more brown than black IPA, Stone Brewing Company, but too appalled that you used a Lucia Pamela reference. To frame it around Newt Gingrich, that's just, I find that offensive. This podcast is being recorded under protest. This week, Google just up and admitted they're going to do whatever the hell they want to with your information, and if you don't like it, tough. Given the ubiquity of Google on the internet, is this at long last the, inter- the end of internet privacy? Yes, it is. You, get, you guys use Facebook, don't you? Yes. Uh, yeah, you have an account too, by the way. 
and you're and you're upset about something Google's doing with private with regards to privacy, and do, are you on Facebook? Do I sound upset? Well, no. Well, you said is it the end of privacy? I guess my assuming you were upset means that the end of privacy would be a bad thing, but maybe it's a good thing. I don't know. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying I'm just I'm just asking. I look. I'm the moderator. I have no opinions. I'm just asking, in general. We don't buy that you're the moderator and you have no opinions, Jim. <laughs> Jim has opinions. What I want to know is, well, how do we define privacy these days? Don't you think the very definition of privacy has shifted over the years? Oh, absolutely. You're sharing intimate phone calls from your wife to thousands of people via our podcast. Exactly. You. Well, this is, I think this is what Google is gambling on. Is it, It's like, well, you know what? A, you don't have to use any Google products if you don't want to, so there's that. And B, go ahead. How is what Google is doing worse than anything Facebook has ever done? Facebook had to get, go into private negotiations with the FTC and agree to 20 years of privacy audits. And B, it's nothing worse than anything that Google, Facebook has done. Well, here's the thing. What, what I mean, specifically is the problem with what they're doing? Bring, well, me this, up to, uh, bring me up to bring me up. Basically, what they're doing, if you haven't read it, is what they're doing is every search, every Google search that you do, they're basically capturing that and using that, you know, going forward for you know advertisements and stuff for you past, to see. The ability to, in the past, you've had the ability to turn that off. Are you saying that you can't turn that off anymore? <laughs> here's the thing. There's no, they, they they've said there's no opting out. That's the new change, basically. No opting out of privacy or no opting out of having every search you make logged? Well, I think you have to find a new search engine if you want to, you, if you want to not have the Google effect. So, Basically, they're saying you cannot opt out from, from, from their using your data. Okay. I have two emails from Google grouped together in my Gmail account. In my priority folder, waiting for the time I have to read them over the weekend. So I'm not prepared to discuss this, but if what you're saying is true, I'll have to go to Bing. Well, that's that's one option. Like I said, there are other search engines, so it's not like it's not like we're bereft of a search engine. If you want to hide, if you want to totally hide your your privacy issues, um, I mean the and thing there are is plugins what, as well. There are plugins as well to. Here's, Here's the thing, though. The, the privacy the issue, it, all the stuff, all the ramifications of it, it's really stuff that's bounced back at you. It's not like, you know, my wife goes and searches for something and I see what she's been searching. It's, it's not like it's shared. It's only between Google and me, essentially. Is that not true? Well, except that, yes, they're, they're basically going to use it to match you and products. Okay. Now, I know this is a real stupid question, but have you guys seen the movie Minority Report? Of course not. Um, has. You have seen it. Yes. Wow. Okay. It's based on a Philip K. Dick. Exactly. Now, it's a great movie, and one of the, one of the issues, one of the things in the movie that predicts the future so well is when... The protagonist Tom Cruise, when his care, when he goes into like a store or whatever, you know that they have the <clears throat> they have like the ads and things that kind of are totally tailored to him. They know he's coming, and they they said they greet him, they they gear ads towards his tastes and everything. 
And I mean, it, it was, it's a great, you know, it's a great foreshadowing of what the Google thing is in a way. But again, it's 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 reflected back at him only. It's not like it's not like this is going out to everybody. And the thing you're making a comparison with Facebook to me, Facebook is a total opt-in thing where you have control of your, you know, what you what you share, what you give Facebook to start off with. You know, what kind of de- level of details like your name, address. You can put all that stuff in there if you choose to, but um, you know who that gets distributed to, who can see that, who has access to it. You do ultimately control that. Now I know you get the you get the ads on the right hand side of the page or whatever, and if you're like me, you filter all this stuff out anyway. So it's not like it's not like I use, I don't think I've ever clicked on one of these ads anyway. There's going to be ad space there. It's always going to be there. So but the problem but the problem with Facebook is it was a const, it has been a constantly changing set of rules and as they introduce new features they introduce new privacy settings and they were always opting you into the most permissive privacy setting unless you wanted to go in and manually change it otherwise and this right. is why this is why Facebook got into some pretty serious trouble over this I mean, 20 years of privacy audit, audits is, is not a minor sort of slap on the wrist. Um, and, and, and studies have shown repeatedly that people who think they understand their Facebook privacy settings don't have a clue what their Facebook privacy settings are because they're so complicated and the way they interact with all the different apps and different new features that are being inter- introduced. So, I mean, you can say that you have complete control over what you share on Facebook, but there's a pretty good chance that you don't really understand the implication of how all of the different pieces fit together. And you should approach, you know, something like Facebook as if anything you do is going to be shared with everyone. You should assume that nothing is going to be restricted. I think probably is a wise uh, approach to take towards Google. Now, where it becomes challenging with Google is that, you know, Gmail. It is there, and by the way, Gmail's and YouTube are both included in this, right? Well, Gmail, Gmail's always always a much much closer reading. Gmail started off being the 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 kind of the forerunner of all this, where they said, "Look, we will scan your emails for you know product mentions and such, and we will focus, we will target you with ads based on those." Right. So what what Tim's talking about is is kind of a harvesting of data in a non-distributed way. It's like there's there's artificial intelligence will pick out bits and pieces and match with related messages to throw at the user, and it doesn't have any, it doesn't have it doesn't share the information across your social graph to where anyone else would see that targeting. The thing that Facebook is doing or has done, especially with this, you know, what frictionless sharing, Fric- frictionless sharing is that, you know, people opt into something and then they're not even thinking that that their activity is being tracked and, and everything they're doing is going into a stream that anyone who's connected with them can see. That's not going to happen with Gmail. This is really about targeting ads and, 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 and getting more information to target ads because that's their that's why their stock price is so high. Right, but you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, the Google thing doesn't, I, you know, what I, I try to imagine like a worst case scenario, and it's like, okay, so I'm I'm searching for you know my 
where where to get uh, the best crack and 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 hookers and and all that stuff, you know. And I I don't really want to share it, but I I understand they may know about it. Tim, so why don't you just ask me? I tried to email you, but it must have gone to your junk email folder. Ah, really? I hook I have hookers and crack on on top priority at all times in my folder. What are you kidding? What do you what, what do you mean? Um, I I think the honestly I think the um the the bigger issue isn't so much that they're collecting your data it's that they're not allowing you to opt out i think that's really the headline here well they are allowing you to opt, opt no, out no they're not you, what, 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 you what use you, a different you use a different search engine that's your opt out right you know i i have to ask what you mean by opting out because you're you're making it sound like there's a monolithic policy with no granularity at all and there's there's only one setting on or off and off is never use a Google product. And on is we can use your data for anything and you don't have any control over anything. Are you saying there are no settings on this privacy option? That's what I'm saying. No, as I don't, I, don't, I don't believe that's accurate. And I can't prove it because, as I said at the beginning, I don't know anything about this, but I have many opinions. <laughs> and, and, and I have it in a high-profile way to spend quality time actually digging in and making sense of it this weekend because this week has been... <laughs> Google ambushed me with this new privacy policy, and and it just was a week where, and you know, the hundreds of millions of people in the same situation. We don't have time to drop everything and take a closer reading of the Google privacy policy, but it is something I will take a closer look at because I can't believe that what you're saying has like it's on or off, and there's nothing in between. Okay, so we will come back to this as we've done more research. <clears throat> yeah, I'm going to use I'm going to search Google. I'm going to Google search this. You know, they're going to keep that, and they're, they're going to keep that. If you search too much on it, they're going to um, alert the government. Against me. Exactly. Yeah. So How do I build that atom bomb again? Atom bomb? What, what, are we in 1953? <laughs> <laughs> we were Sorry. Last week. My, my atomic bomb. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, that's so much better. Okay, good. <laughs> what, what, my nuclear device? Is that to James Bond? No, that's perfect. Your A bomb in Water Street? This just in from the Google Public Policy blog. Here's the thing. Here's the real story. Here's the propaganda from the Google Public Policy blog. They know what they're talking about. You still have choice and control. You don't need to log in to use services like Search, Maps, and YouTube. Use those services without logging in. So that can't be connected to your history at all. Sure. If you're logged in, you can still edit and turn off the search history. Switch Gmail chat to off and control the way Google tailors ads. Or use incognito mode in Chrome. So that's all. those are all the settings I was talking about. As long as I've got that control, I'm not concerned. We're taking off to the moon. Fasten your seatbelts. Let's go. Oh, we have landed on the moon. I'm so excited. I see people. It must be the moon people. So this week, while stumping in Florida, GOP president hopeful and friend of Medialoper Newt Gingrich said that if he was president, we'd build a lunar colony and we'd head to Mars. And all I can say is it's about fucking time. Guys, you're right. What's the first thing you're going to do when you get when you finally get to the moon? I'm going to go to Starbucks. 
Ooh, not Apollos. <laughs> what about you, Kirk? So we're we're going to do this with smaller government and lower taxes because we're going to send the government to the moon. Well, the cost of colonizing the moon is going to be, and it's going to happen. Apparently, if he's saying it during a campaign swing, he's gonna he's gonna do it as part of a, a government program. Well, actually, part I think part of the thing is they want to get free enterprise involved too. But look, uh, but you guys, let's look at you guys are missing Republican. You guys are missing the big point: moon colony. Okay, and by the way, it's not just the moon colony, but statehood for the moon. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm. I, no. No. I'm. I now. Now you've got my interest. Okay. Now. Listen. It's like a, a voting. You know, if they have like the ability to influence policy, that's. Awesome. Okay. Well, and this explains the Republican primary. <laughs> trying out for the moon primaries. Yeah. And and in in nineteen eighty one I I did some research on this too. Newt Gingrich or early, I don't know it was eighty one exactly, he proposed that after we have a moon colony, once they have thirteen thousand people, they can petition for statehood. That's all you need? Thirteen thousand he also had a plan to build a major government body that would meet exclusively in Second Life. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but how's that working out for him? But the difference is, is Second Life, whatever the moon. We're talking about moon colonies here. I'm just yeah. saying that. I'm just saying that. You know, people used to make fun of Jerry Brown back in the day, but Newt. I'm changing everything. I want to see a moon colony. I want to see a Mars expedition. I'm just saying. Well, I want to see Newt as the nominee for the Republican Party, and I want to. Well, see I think him. we all. Do. I think that's a that's a given, Kirk. I think we all do because he's the most he's the most entertaining. Oh, absolutely. He's and, and running mate. Can we all agree, Jan Brewer is the person to be Newt's running mate? Oh, oh yeah, that would be too perfect. No, Michelle Bachman. Are you kidding? Let's no. just go the full Monty. No, she's Jan, too. Jan Brewer, because she. How did she get through airport security to get onto the tarmac to meet the president as he was getting off the plane? And then wag her finger at that they let her through. Well, she is the governor of the great state of Arizona. But she's unhinged. <sighs> okay, look. She's, we're, we're, she's we're, do a background check? We're digressing. Moon yes. colonies. Moon, moon colonies. Okay. Moon so statehood. First of all, hang on. So, first of all, the... You have to understand. There, the, 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 I know it's the government. Maybe he's proposing government and stuff. But there is. You have to remember with the. There's the uh, the X Prize people. Right. There's there's Richard Branson. All these people that are investing and in looking into commercial flights. You know, um, out of the atmosphere, around the Earth, to the Moon, whoever, whatever. You know, this is something that I think private enterprise will will also be driving as well as. You know, if people don't want, you know, the thing is, here's the thing. At this point, there will come a point where, as Stephen Hawking says, I believe, we will have to colonize another planet if we want to survive. That's going to happen. That I'm absolutely sure that will happen one day. However, we're not there yet. So in the meantime, because this isn't a pressing issue that we have to do, it's something that we should strive to do. I do think that, you know, commercial, free enterprise, whatever, they can they can totally you know take take charge take the lead on this as well it doesn't have to be a totally government run um 
you know. Listen, you fucking libertarian. You, we need you know the government to do this for us, okay? You know, who, you know who else is working on this? Putting who? a lot of money into it? Jeff Bezos. So yes. There you go. Exactly. You'll get Amazon Prime deliveries when you're on the moon. Of course you, you will. Next, but you won't be you won't be getting it next day. That I don't think. I don't think you can yet. Your download might be next day. Once we have no. the transporter based economy, all that will be possible. Yeah, that's still you know, that's probably a couple thousand years away, but that's coming, definitely. A couple thousand years away for trans yeah. for, for for matter transfer? Matter transfer is a long way off. You ask any scientist, they will tell you that's that's just something the the actual the actual physics of it and the power required to drive something like that is way, way off. Well, they're already working on invisibility, so what's the, why not matter transfer? Invisibilities, anybody can be invisible. That's easy. But matter transfer is difficult? Totally, totally uh, different. And they're already working on invisibility and, and faster than light travel, so why not transporter? What's the, why? I don't understand why, A, why there's not already a moon colony. It's, Different. That's a totally different set of physic physics related problems. So again, we're getting into a territory where we don't really know what we're talking about, but we have strong opinions. Dude, look, I worked, I worked <laughs> on Star Trek for years. I know all this stuff. I'd like to like. I'd love for them to hear this podcast and to understand that we're solely, completely, one hundred percent behind this concept and this idea. And as far as I'm concerned, the Gingrich campaign. So oh, should we yeah. have Ronan get in touch with Newt? Oh well, Ronan and Newt are like old old Second Life buddies, right? They're like uh, Nixon and Hunter S. Thompson. Wow! So it's 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 perfect. I think Ronan should. I mean, I'm sure Newt's in Second Life all the time still, walking around in his Newt Gingrich avatar. What else is he going to do with it? Well, exactly. I I think that that that's how he his Newt Gingrich avatar is forty pounds lighter. But has the same hair. Now, is it forty pounds lighter because the gravity's different in Second Life? Because you can make your avatar thinner. Oh, but you can fly in Second Life, which which seems to does not burn any calories, despite what you might think. Yeah, but it would seem to indicate some sort of issue with gravity too. <clears throat> I think we should do a follow up on this and see if by the next podcast we're actually going to the moon. <laughs> you think it's going to happen that fast? Why? Well, things happen. Privacy like, policies happen so quickly these days. What's the worst thing to happen to the American music industry since the turn of the century? Is it their slow reaction to digitalization? Is it the initiation of culture? Is it rampant piracy? The answer, none of the above. The worst thing to happen to the American music industry is undoubtedly the rise of American Idol. A TV show, <laughs> a TV show that has held sway over our culture for nearly a decade fostered an entire generation of over-singing karaoke Muppets. Idol has not only had a hand in destroying music, it has destroyed network TV as execs scramble to put endless reality competition shows on in its wake. Now you might think 
that the right-thinking people here at Media Loper Bebop would steer clear of such a vast pit of radioactive toxic sludge. But you would be wrong. Because, general listeners, one of your Bebop hosts is, isn't just a casual fan of American Idol. He watches it every single week, every single year. And that it's per- me. And that person is Mr. <laughs> Tim Gaskell. Tonight, on the latest edition of our You're an Idiot segment, Tim Gaskell tries to defend his love of American Idol. Mr. Gaskell, at long last, sir, have you no decency? Um, I do. I do, and that is <clears throat> this is the main thrust of my argument for <laughs> thrust. American Idol. When Idol debuted, what else debuted? I think roughly around the same time. What other big, big reality TV show debuted around the same time? Nine Eleven. No. Twenty Four. No reality TV show. Um, I don't know. Old Survivor. Uh huh. Okay. Now what is? What is the one takeaway? I watched like one or two episodes of Survivor, and I hated it. Do you know why I hated Survivor? Because it was stupid? Because everybody on that show was a fucking asshole. (laughs) Okay? That's why I hated Survivor, because everybody's an a-hole, and they're trying to screw everybody else. And now you jump forward 10 years, and then you've got, you know, you've got the, uh, whatever it's called, the Desperate Housewives of Orange County or whatever. Um You've got things like Jersey Shore. You've got, I mean, obviously, real world, if you go way back. The Kardashians. You've got the Kardashians. Every one of those shows, you know, we've got Hollywood, the Hollywood Wives or whatever. Every one of those shows, what they do is they take kind of the worst forms of humanity and they put them on display. And these people willingly do that, you know. And at I've watched, you know, we've watched in this household, American Idol, for the most part, for for most of the run. We've skipped one or two years, but just to be totally accurate. But you know what? I'm sorry. No, no, no. Accuracy has absolutely no place in this. we, We don't need accuracy. The thing about American Idol, and if you watch this, you would know it is the show has a heart. It's the the the. It, it is one of the nicest, most well-meaning shows on TV. I agree with you. When we, as far as the music assessment goes, you know, yeah, they are a bunch of karaoke singing kids or whatever. But that's not what has destroyed music. The, the actually, the internet has destroyed music. We know that. Wait, wait, wait. Can uh, I, can I wait? I want to. I want to. I want to. I want to follow up on a point really fast. Okay. American Idol is a nice show. Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. It's, so wait, 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 wait. Shows are very backstabbing, and whatever. American Idol's not—it's not that way. It's uh, so, very supportive, and so why do they spend the first few weeks every year making fun of retards who just want to sing and be on the show? Because they get they get thousands and thousands of people auditioning. For the most part, they're there, you know, trying to to sing. But some people show up for just for the the fun of it or whatever. And they, they, they're willing to get on TV and make a fool of themselves. And so the, the idol producers say, "Okay, we'll put you on TV, and you can make a fool of yourselves." That's, you know, it's just to also show that out of the thousands they get, they get a lot of, they get some crap in there. But isn't that making, isn't that taking advantage of the mentally handicapped in the same way that taking advantage? Nobody's, nobody's making them go on that show. You are doing, you are vol- you are doing it totally voluntarily. Nobody is saying you have to go on this show. So. 
and most of those people know what they're doing, and I don't think it's taking advantage. The of Kardashians know what they're doing, so how's that a defense? That, that's no, but that's what makes it even worse. They know what they're doing. These people that do do this, they they're doing it, you know, for the fun of it more than anything, and they know it's a five minutes of fame type of deal, and then they're gone. They're forgotten about. So, in. in Overall, that when you when you have the silly auditions, that's pretty. That's a pretty small kind of um, segment of the entire run of the show, but it's thrown in purely for entertainment value. And I, I you know, it, you could take it or leave it. It's it's, but it's it's not the main thrust of the show. The main thrust of the show, what they do very well, is they pull people out that have talent, and then they give their you know their backstory, their life story, and some of it isn't. It's very very moving. It's very human and. And I, I love it. Um, the only the only drawback for me in the last year and this year is with this new panel, with this new lineup. The lineup was best when it was you know Simon, Paula, and Randy Jackson. And then when they branched out and they got Ellen, she wasn't any good because she couldn't give any kind of critique or anything. She would just say, "Oh, you're wonderful," whatever. And my problem with J Lo and Steven Tyler, you know, as much as you know. J Lo, I have no, I have no real opinion on. I just think she's kind of a mediocre talent. But you know, she's very nice and kind of anodyne on this show and very supportive, and that's fine. Steven Tyler is, you know, kind of makes, you know, comments about the women and stuff. But he's also a bit too nice. And I wanted at least one person on there to be the Simon Cowell bitchy person, and they they don't have that. And if that's a draw, that's that's a bit of a drawback. But I'm still I'm still watching. So uh, so 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 one of the things that why Idol's so good is because it's so nice. But one of the problems Idol has is that it's not nice. No no no. The the niceness comes from the the people that they get on and the people that I mean, the stories the backstories that they that they highlight and they bring to the fore. That's the the nature of the show is very nice. But you are coming on there to be critiqued for your singing. You are not, you know, that is part of the deal. It's like an audition. So you are, you know, you need constructive criticism or out-and-out criticism depending on the level of your abilities. And if you are a great singer, you know, they let you know and you go to Hollywood and you may win. But if you are kind of on the borderline, we've seen people who start out a bit slow and they gain confidence and they get stronger as the weeks go on. And at the end of the day, all they're doing is singing. I mean, to me, this is like it's it's a harmless kind of thing. It's just music. They're singing. Yeah, they're taking classic songs and maybe reinterpreting them or destroying them, depending on your point of view. But at the end of the day, it's just singing. It's good natured. It's they they work their asses off, you know, throughout the, the, the weeks and months that they, you know, go through the process. They really do work hard. And I do respect them because they're trying to do something that's that's good and positive and artistic and everything. Whereas all those other shows, all those other reality shows, they're just a bunch of a-holes that, who think that they, because they're rich or pretty or both or whatever, that they have something to offer. And, they you know, we see that and we... We realize they don't have anything to offer. They really don't. And the people that watch that, you know, I've, I have words. I don't know why, you know, they put it on the air and stuff. So the singing shows, and I haven't watched the other one, The Voice. I haven't seen that yet. I hear it's pretty good. Um, and I haven't really watched X Fire, X Factor, or I watched a bit of X Factor, and that was fine. I liked it. It's been back again. Um, and America's Got Talent, you know, I'll dip into occasionally. I like the shows where people go on and they do stuff 
and they're trying their hardest, whatever. I respect not to take anything away from those people. And Idol, I think they've got a good product, and they've done it well, and they're successful, you know, for 11 years, 11, 12 years now, whatever. And, um, you know, I'll go with it. And I even think Ryan Seacrest, as a, as a, as a host, intro guy, link guy, whatever, I don't think there's anybody better that, that, that does what he does. Again, he's a bit anodyne and whatever, but he's he's very good at what he does. And I have no, you know, people criticize him or whatever. I'm not one of those. I think what he, I, I think, you know, what he does takes a certain skill. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't take that away from him. So, yeah, I'm, <clears throat> I'm on board with American Idol once again, and I make no apologies. I have to be honest. I feel like Grandpa Simpson here. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Kim was talking about all these other shows. I've never heard of any of them. Well, good. You shouldn't because they're terrible. I just have one more question for Tim and American Idol. Go for it. Why should I give a fucking rat's ass? Uh, you shouldn't. Uh, but if you <clears throat> if you just like you know if, if nice entertainment that's uh, it's all about singing and. You know, kind of good stories about kids who uh, kind of want to make uh, make a difference in their lives. And, you know, it's it's good entertainment and it's good to follow along and see their growth and development. Now, over the years, um, it, it, American Idol obviously hasn't destroyed the music industry because only a handful have become really successful. And still, to this day, the best one, I think, you know, in a lot of ways is Kelly Clarkson, who won the first year. And the other one is Jennifer Hudson, who I think is one of the great singers, you know, around today. And uh, she wasn't even a winner. So, um, <clears throat> you know, that they haven't uh, hasn't hasn't destroyed the industry. It's just kind of changed it a bit, and it's opened up a lot of things for a lot of people. So again, I have no no bad things to say about Idol. And now it's time for In The Mix. This week, it's Tim's turn to tell us what he's been listening to. And let me guess, it's Adam Lambert, William Hung, and Sanjaya. Oh, please. That's so, like, 2007. Jeez, no way, man. It's, um... It's, uh... You know, last year, I hated last year's winner, by the way. Scotty McCready or whatever. McCrory, I don't know, whatever. I hated that guy. That guy, I from the get-go, I did not like him. Anyway, in my mix, um, has anybody else done this Mogwai, the new Mogwai album? Kirk, you didn't do that, did you? No, well, I like Mogwai. What's it called? When did it come out? Kirk will never die, but you will. Oh, wait. That's, is this a compilation? Because that's a title no. of an old song. What's it called? Hardcore will never die, but you will. That's an old Mogwai song. Um, it, oh, yeah, I, th- I thought it was. But anyway, that's the, I think that's the name of their latest album. And it's... Um, uh, it, I recommend it. So I, uh, if you like Mogwai, and who doesn't, um, this was their this was their uh, t- 2011 album.
it kind of continues in the same vein as before. Only um, the great thing about Mogwai is, you know, every album's there's there's just a few little tweaks, and you know, they're they're the same but different. They usually have like one track that has maybe some kind of vocals on it or whatever, and um, the rest is just sheer sheer brilliance. And obviously, they get their they they have the kind of the loud, quiet, loud uh, sound that was perfected by uh, the Pixies and Smashing Pumpkins, etc. But Mogwai um, takes it to a whole different extreme, don't they? Do kind of, yeah. But they they what I like about them is there's really there's no there are other bands that have been like instrumental bands like Tortoise and stuff like that that are good as well. But um, you know, Mogwai just have this. They just have a great feel, a great kind of uh, identity that's all their own and. I've I've seen them live once and I I love them and <clears throat> I've, I'll always I'll always listen to their new albums they're they're never bad. Great um, song titles too. Yeah, exactly. Um, great song titles, great just all around. They've been consistent. You know, they came out in the '90s, mid '90s was it? About '96 or something. Yeah, I seem to remember um, with their first album and uh, still going strong from Scotland. The other thing in the mix, I put a link to this on my uh, Facebook page, my non-privacy or my privacy, free pi- privacy, anybody can look at it, um, Facebook page, The Flaming Lips doing I Want You, She's So Heavy, live from the New Year's Eve show featuring Nels Klein and um, the great guitar player, by the way, who plays with Wilco and among other people. And the great thing about this song is it's 17 minutes long, and if you know that song, and who doesn't, it's a Beatles song, one of the great Beatles songs that uh, goes on and on, and then kind of just stops. Well, this one does too, but after like 17 minutes, and it's just, it is wonderful. Have you, has anybody seen that yet? Um, I, I Well, I started watching it, and I realized it was 17 minutes, and I had to be yeah. somewhere in 17 minutes, so... You know, it just it's But it's, it's awesome. You would listen to like five songs that added up to 17 minutes, it's one song that adds up to 17 minutes. So, watch the whole thing. If it, it's it's got it, seriously, this is why we have guitars to play that song live <laughs> for 17 minutes. The other thing, you know, the Paz and Jop report came out. Uh, was it this week or last week? Last week, the Paz and Jop poll. The Paz and Jop poll and Village Voice came out, and this year's winner was Tune Yards. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I tried listening to this album, the album Who Kill, um, and I've dipped in and out, and I've, I have to say it's kind of left me a bit cold. Uh, you know, there's a couple of, couple of things. So the when the when the when the album won the passing job this year, I said, okay, I got to give it a try again. And you know, last few days I've been kind of trying to get into it. And I, there's a couple of decent things. The last song's got some interesting stuff going on. 
Uh, but overall, I'm not. I I can't say it's great. It's different, but it doesn't really. You know, number two on the list was P.J. Harvey's "Let England Shake," which I think is a much better album, personally. But um, I would I would be happy if that won. And looking at the Peasant Jop list for the last uh, what, twenty years or whatever, they've been pretty good with, with the album winners. Have been pretty spot on. Um, a bit of a heavy emphasis with Kanye and Outkast winning like five or six times. Um, but other than that, they've, there's been a good variety and a good cross-section. Same thing, sorry. And just a very good, you know, the, the albums that they've picked have stood up to this day. The Tune Yards one, I don't know. It may be a flash in the pan or it may be something that we call a classic in 10 years. I don't know. I don't get it yet, but I could be wrong. Just one more thing. One more thing. Kirk. Okay, one more thing. You guys hear about Manny? Hmm? Manny Diaz? Manny? You heard about Manny? No. Manny has asked to be taken off the voluntarily retired list. Oh, Manny Ramirez. He's, he's, He's asked to be taken off the voluntary retirement list. So he can play for the A's? So he can play for the goddamn Oakland A's. <laughs> oh, That's nice. your money ball. That's your money nice. ball. Manny is going to Oaksterdam. Isn't this Manny ball? So Manny, Oaksterdam, it's going to be perfect. We're going to the playoffs. It's, it's Manny land. You know, he might still have, you know, 25 doubles left in him. He's going to be playing next to his old Cleveland teammate, Coco Chris. <laughs> well, he's going to be in Oakland, so it's going to be easy for him to score. Coco at the Oco. That's it? What do you mean, that's it? That's major. I... Manny Ramirez coming to Oakland. Manny Ramirez coming to Oakland. You're like, that's it? One more thing. Tim. One more thing. The Oscars were announced. The Oscar nominations were announced this week, and... Um... It is in 31 days. You can get the app and count it down on your iPhone. (laughs) iPhone. You can uh, watch the movies. Go see them. Borrow screeners, however you do it. No, don't borrow screeners because that would be illegal. Um, But uh, there's uh, nine movies this year, and uh, most of them are pretty good. There's only one really bad one of the lot that I've seen. Midnight uh, in Paris? Just kidding. (laughs) uh, Extremely loud and incredibly pretentious. Um, I did not like that movie at all. My wife liked it a bit, but I've looked on Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic, and everything. It seems to polarize and split people right Can down. you call her right now and have her discuss um, why she liked it? We could, but I won't. <laughs> okay. I'll spare you. <laughs> remember the uh, the old days, the Oscars used to be on a Monday. Do you remember that? Yes. Used to be on a Monday. Hollywood would shut down, basically. Everybody would leave at, like, Two in the afternoon, three in the afternoon, go home, get ready to go, or get ready to watch them. And uh, but then they moved it to Sunday. Well, it makes more sense because you can just take Monday off. Yeah, I guess. 
Just like we would have after the 49ers won the Super Bowl. Right, yeah. <clears throat> That's your one more thing. So anyway, Oscars are coming. One more thing. It was a little over 20 years ago when I committed myself to street running on a daily basis. Back then, I was, of course, indestructible, and I'd run my miles through the streets of Fresno while it was 100 degrees outside at 6 in the afternoon. And, of course, I listened to the cassettes I was making, and I listened to them on my Sony Walkman. Fast forward to now, and if my knees aren't shot, they're definitely shooting, so Rox and I bought an elliptical, put it in the garage. This has been a long time coming, and I wasn't looking forward to it because it's just part of my identity to wake up every single morning and go running. Being stationary and doing a treadmill or a bike or something like that has just never quite cut it for me. But here's the thing. Because it's now 2012, I can watch last night's daily show the next morning on my iPad while working out. Or anything on Netflix. Like, remember that year of Saturday Night Live with Christopher Guest, Harry Shearer, Billy Crystal, and Martin Short? That's on Netflix. Really? Really. Except it's really weird. It's not every skit. But it's a lot of the skits because and anything music they pretty much cut out. Oh, but you still get I hate it when that happens, and you still get Ed Grimley. Anyways, this confluence of high bandwidth, strong Wi-Fi, tablet computing, and a vast content selection has made the pain of giving up street running almost bearable. You know what, guys? Technology is awesome. So you're not running on the street at all? I've cut it down to one day a week, and I might cut it out completely. You want to hear something funny? What's that? You know my wife? Yes. You've met her, right? Yes. She, uh, in a bar on New Year's Eve, <laughs> got the idea that she's running a marathon in December. You heard. That's she's right. On she's on... She's maintained her first month of training that's awesome and, and she's at the point where she's about to have to go out into the world because she can't do the stay on schedule on the machine right rose bowl oh yeah, yeah. Rose Bowl's great for running that's that would be awesome no i i'm i i just never had the discipline to actually to to train for a marathon i would have liked to have done it there's no way i could do it now but i would have liked to have done it but I didn't. And that does it for Media Loper Bebop episode 29, Into Outer Space with Newt Gingrich. I'd like to thank my spell... Ah, I'd like to thank my... Sp- God damn it. I'd like to thank my spell... <laughs> I am not your spouse. <laughs> I'd like to thank... I am thank- not your spouse. And I wasn't yelling. <laughs> I'd like... Oh, Kirk, that came very... Tim? Yes? Was that yelling? I'm not your spouse either. I'd like to thank my fellow space cowboys, Tim Gaskell. Space Cadet. <laughs> and Kirk Biglione. I've made it a month without you on the gym. <laughs> the year's still, still so early. And it's barely a month. And of course, I'd like to thank all of you, our listeners. And so come back next week. Same Bebop time, same Bebop channel. <laughs>